Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're here to talk a little triple dub, a little worlds beyond number, the wizard, <laughs> the witch, and the wild one, episode 16, everything. Nice. Um. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was actually trying to look up the title right there, but yeah, I, I forgot it. it last week, so I made sure to write yeah. it down this time. I thought it was everything, but then I couldn't remember if that was last week's episode or this one. We're so. on top of it. You know, every once in a while, yeah, we hit it. We hit it right on the head. <laughs> it's rare, but when we do, <laughs> that's right. It's a moment to be celebrated. We rarely um, rise to the occasion, but when we do, <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's something to behold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about that. But before we dive in, a couple quick announcements per usual. Um, it is Thursday, uh, Thursday night even, at the time of recording this. So if you happen to watch this right when we put it up, uh, it is Critical Role Night. So we will be having our um, watch party in the Discord, like always. Uh, and of course, segueing that right into the Discord plug. It'll be linked down in the description below. Like I said, we got watch parties there, but also lots of fun discussion. Um and I think I said this last time in our Worlds Beyond number, but especially if you're a Worlds Beyond fan, join because we need more of y'all in there. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much it, I guess. I think I'm the not- only other thing I would add, I know we didn't talk about this before, but we have talked about it, but not in this element. But um, you guys who are long-term CR fans, you probably saw Will did a video, but there was an announcement about Critical Stats shutting down, oh, right. which we think is an amazing resource. Yeah, And um, Will and I have been talking about what it might look like to try to uh, not do what they do, so to speak, but just like continue to su- provide just good resources to the CR community. Uh, so if you have any healthy suggestions, feel free to send it our way because we're definitely, you know, thinking about that because um, it was a really great resource. So. Yeah, for sure. They will be sorely missed. I, I'm sure someone in the community will try to fill that void in some form or fashion. Um, but they will definitely be missed. And uh, yeah, like Blake said, if you got any suggestions, we've been, we've been thinking about that kind of stuff for a while. And so that happening, you know, even tipped us more in that direction. Um, But yeah, um, this Sunday we're having, we have our Sunday watch parties as well. I forgot to mention that. So yet another reason to join the discord. Um, But anything else to talk about? I don't think so. Alrighty. Well, in that case, let's dive right into it. And uh, we always like to give a recap of the episodes before we dive into our discussion proper. And we like to cut that out and host it separately on YouTube for your convenience. So if you find yourself just on that recap and want to hear our full thoughts, that will also be linked down in the description below. Uh, But yeah, without further ado, if you'd like to kick us off, my friend. Yeah, so in this episode titled Everything, uh, the party is essentially beginning their day looking to get away just the three of them to talk about um, what Ame remembers. Uh, We get a couple of other details, one notably that um, uh, I'm totally blanking, uh, Ursulon. Uh, Ursulon has kind of become like an unofficial protectorate of both Suvi and Ame and even has sort of like this, I think it was like a lapel pin or something that uh, denoted him as such. Uh, and the fox is finally getting the much needed rest that uh, <laughs> it's been needing for a while. Um, but they make it up to Suvi's room and to Suvi's horror, it still looks rather... Um, uh, you know, there's, there's been some things happening yeah. in this place. <laughs> Tossed about so, a bit. Yeah. So she's, you know, doing a little prestidigitation, trying to get it cleaned up. Um, they begin to roast her about, uh, 
I think it was silver. Silver. Was that his yeah. Name? yeah. Like, is he your boyfriend? What have you? Um, and then Suvi actually opens a door to sort of like this private, it's almost like a it, it kind of described as kind of like a closet, but like a private lab. And there's all sorts of magical items. I think there was like magic sand. Um, and immediately they're like grabbing things and touching things. And, you know, much to Suvi's like chagrin, it's like, yeah. you know, stop, stop messing with everything. Um, Ame is about to, they feel like they're finally safe in this little nook. Ame is about to um, basically be like, hey, I, I remember what happened. I want to tell you everything about what happened. And it's in this moment that we actually cut away to either the first day or the second couple of days of when they first arrived at the Citadel with Ame in a coma. And Suvi is visiting Steel. Uh, and Steel, we find out, has a daughter uh, who is apparently just a couple of months away from her uh, graduation of sorts, like her final exams, uh, presumably to become maybe like an official wizard of some kind. Um, and there's a bit of a discussion that happens with Suvi and Steel that is not unlike many other conversations we've seen happen where it's kind of like, they're sort of like reflecting on the journey so far. And Suvi kind of repeats like, Hey, there was a curse and here's why we did what we did. And, you know, just trying to prov provide some more context for Steel and Steel being kind of like the wiser, um, older soldier, the commander talks about, um, kind of the political fallout of their decision-making and how, you know, we'll never truly know who was supporting Moro um, and this whole uh, decision to imprison Naram. Um, it all kind of blew up and kind of not, not really chiding Suvi, but just sort of like coaching her to think more big picture and strategic in the future. Right. Um, they changed the conversation to talking about Suvi's parents and um, essentially uh, Steele reveals that her parents were double agents working on behalf of Ruve, and that to this day, there are still people who likely see her parents as Ruvian war heroes. Like they still to this day, like their identities were never truly released or uncovered. And so people who still believe that they were enemies secretly of the, of the Citadel. And uh, Steele essentially confesses that Hey, I I believe that Yorin is to blame for your parents' death. That um, that night, um, you know, Yorin was with us. You knew Yorin, and also mentions that what happened that night was effectively um, a a small band of warlocks who teleported in to the citadel and um, attempted to basically destroy you know, everything they, they hold dear. And that essentially, and I can't remember the words that Brennan used, but I, I keep kept going to like the ley lines from watching CR. Yeah. But essentially like the way the spirit realm interacts with the physical realm, there are times where teleportation becomes very easy and times where it becomes very difficult and times in the past where it's become very easy. It's led to a boon of um, trade and all this great stuff. But since the nations were already at war, what it did instead was it created this really chaotic. Uh, there was there was much bloodshed, as how Brennan described it, and that was the night that we saw uh, at the beginning of the story. All this to say, she explains that she believes Yorn is to blame because, due to the nature of what Suvi's parents 
found themselves in the night that they died. Um, as Steele explains it, there is no way that Yorn could have also survived. Uh, in fact, she believed that Yorn was dead for a long time. And then finding out that Yorn was in fact alive, it was like the only way Yorn could be alive is if he betrayed your parents. And that essentially um, Steele also had gone to Grandmother Rin and had essentially tasked Grandmother Rin with helping Steele find Yorin. Um, we cut back to the present day and Ame is revealing the information about the um, Akedor? Akedador? Akedador, uh, yeah. Akedador. And um, they're sort of like swapping notes. Oh, and there was also this one other detail. Steele mentioned something along the lines of like, hey, once this is like your name cloak ceremony is done, hey, maybe I can tell you about your parents' real names, hmm. uh, which was a really cool moment. Um, all this to say, the party's kind of like, hey, let's let's get some snacks. Let's get some food. And um, they're about to get a, a deep dive on the cool spots in the city. Uh, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, so... They, you know, Ame hasn't eaten real food in like a month. So they're like, let's go see some of these places. And um, it's kind of funny because in the fireside chat, um, Lou mentioned that like none of those like places, like the cafe they go to. And I'll be talking about this in a minute. And the other places like weren't pre-discussed places. Like they were kind of improving the places and Brennan kind of like slotted those in as it was happening that's funny um so <clears throat> they go out and uh there's a quick mention of these like little sky planes called galathicopters i'm pronouncing that wrong because uh, it... was it galacopters or what would you say it was galathicopters yeah, like, i thought there was like a th in there but it's like galacopters but the way they were saying it i thought it was like galathicopters yeah, right. or something but i don't know yeah um, i kind of envisioned him as being like in a uh not florence maybe it's florence like the long canal yeah. boats or yeah something. that's what i imagine too but it like but like a yeah. flying version right yeah um so we get a quick mention of those as they're traveling uh but the first place they head is candle street bakery which uh they describe as this place where you just go to get little snackums um so it's not like a full meal but it's like a bakery and they've got some good treats and apparently this is like i don't know if it's like literally on the bottom floor of where suvi lives but it's like right next to where suvi lives um so they stop here and the man at the counter is described as being like semi-transparent. Uh, and we find out he is Mr. Callum uh, and he recognizes Ursuline because Ursuline comes here all the time. Uh, and we find out that Mr. Callum is a mage cantrip that has been brought to life. And mm -hmm. these entities are called Tomori. Um, and so this leads into kind of like this philosophical existential <laughs> question uh, between yeah. Ame, like trying to figure out like, how do you best like treat, someone like this like is it really fully a person or is it you yeah. know she's like do i need to like be thanking my cantrips when i cast them um, <laughs> and brennan ultimately describes that it's more like a spirit than a human um mm -hmm. but it's also not fully it's not like a fully a person uh and they go on to describe that there are actually like i think a couple dozen mr callums all throughout the citadel I, that are I performing think he says eight dozen i think yeah i think you're, i think so, that's right yeah almost 100 but they all they all have different mustache colors apparently yes. that's the only <laughs> defining factor yes <laughs> um so a really fun philosophical question there and they get a couple of snacks um but then they travel uh or suvi rather goes and gets one of those galathicopters that i was just talking about um to take them um uh, to well this is where i got kind of confused and maybe we can clarify in the mm. when we discuss but 
um, to take to Haverwert, which is the city at the bottom of the Citadel, like the massive city yeah. and um, specifically to the night market area of the yeah. city. Um, the thing I was confused about, and again, maybe we don't get into it right now, but I knew she went to rent one of those copters, but then simultaneously it felt like Brennan described the disc that Suvi lives on being the one that docked down there as well. But maybe yeah, I just got my wires I think, crossed. I think he was just coincidentally talking about the discs that were moving as they were traveling. Okay. Because for our listeners, um, also around the Citadel, which I think you described was like three miles tall, there are like these eight, I think like a hexagon almost, these eight platforms that are always rising and falling to the different levels. I think it's uh, 12 because it was like one an oh, hour. Okay. Or, oh, or okay, maybe yeah. every two hours for to be yeah. like a clock kind of. Something that makes like that. more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But then Haverford or uh, Haverward. Haverford? Haverwert, I think. Haverwert. Okay. Yeah. Is <laughs> the Haverford. is the big city at the bottom. So not yeah. it do, it doesn't right. well, it does move, but not in the same way as these discs do. Yeah. Um so anyway, they go to Haverwert. Um again, the massive city at the base and um Brendan describes a whole bunch of things here, but one of the most important things he describes are these large glowing gatehouses which are these permanent portals that go all throughout the empire. So this is like a massive hub, mm -hmm. economic hub, if you will. And that's how the big travel happens. Um, but they make their way to a seafood stand, another Ursulon favorite called Chura Chowder. And uh, this is run by an older man and his daughter, um, Anton and Mariah Kura, or Chura, excuse me. Um, and essentially they order these like enormous bowls of food that are almost like, I think a food challenge or close to that yeah. that the restaurant offers but you know ame hasn't eaten in a month neither has the fox and ursula eats like, a ton yeah, i think he actually gets like a giant clam that like when they open it it's like a ramen bowl inside yeah of it. it's and it's, i love the NPC was like you've already been here today <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so they get back. they get these huge portions yeah. of food and they just start digging in um and it's so big that there's even a small bet made with the fox, who of course thinks he can eat everything. Uh, yeah. Makes a bet with Suvi for three imperial pieces that like mm -hmm. he won't get sick if he eats it all. Um, so a fun moment there. They're eating, and while that's happening, Suvi actually sees a floating bar like float above them that she loves, and she's like, "I'm going there. I'll be right back." So she like darts off. Um, after that, um, Ursalon and Ame have a quick talk while they're just the two of them, and. Uh, he's basically telling Ame how much he loves this place uh, for the past month that he's kind of been here while they've been waiting for her to get better. Um, and just he's been training with steel. Uh, they just kind of share a nice moment together. Um, so then uh, they finish eating. Suvi rejoins them. And the fox is basically having a terrible time. He ate way too much. Uh, and he admits defeat on the bet. Um so they're like, well, where should we go next? And Ursulon uh, suggests going to this kind of underground fight club that this boxing promoter he knows keeps like approaching him to be like, yo, you should come fight at my my club. Um, so they go there um, because they can drink for free uh, because this promoter is trying to like smooth Ursulon. So he gives them free drinks. Um, so to get there, they go through like the dregs of the city through like the back tunnels. And Suvi is like, I don't think there's anything here. But Ursuline's like, no, it's through this door. And he opens a door right. and there's like a big extra dimensional space, like a bag of holding type of thing um, where there's this underground fight club. Um, and they basically just have a really good time here. Um, and we learn a little bit about like the animals of the city because there's like lots and lots of animals down here. But uh, above in the Citadel, it's all like the illusory animals. 
Um, so they get drunk, have a crazy night. Uh, they do not make it back in time for Suvi's home disc to still be there. It like has gone, continued on its cycle. So instead we cut to like 1130 the next morning and all of them are just like passed out in a bus station on the bench or, or the equivalent of a bus station. Um, so they like hear the alarm ring for like their city or not their city, but their disc being like the next one that's coming up. And so they get on it, make their way back to Suvi's house and um, Brennan just asks, like, what are your like last thoughts on the night? Um, and Suvi says, I had the best night of my life. Um, Ursulan says, I had an amazing time. I really hope this lasts. And Ame says that, you know, I will do this. This is like everything I've ever hoped for and wanted for. And I'll do whatever it takes to protect my friends. And that's where the episode ends. And knowing Brennan, destroyer of good feelings. <laughs> that... like writing this down. Yes, yeah. yes. This is <laughs> what like, I will break. <laughs> But yeah, the end of the episode. Um, if you're watching just the recap, remember we have our full thoughts and discussions down in the description. Um, yeah. Will, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. It got me as a DM thinking about like the little cool details that bring so much color to the city. Yes. <clears throat> like the family who runs the little shop, you know, the different people they ran into. Um, you know, Brennan's doing a great job fleshing out um i feel like when i put my players in a city it's like and there's the tavern and <laughs> yeah. you let me know what else you want to find <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. no i would love to just hear all of the world building about the citadel because it's so cool um mm -hmm. and you know like i like i mentioned in the recap the the bakery i don't know if every single place but like i imagine the bakery and like the boxing promoter place like i said was just kind of they were improving off each other. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, and I mean, we got, we still got a lot of actual um, world building um, as well, but you just know that there is like so much baked into that city that like, I really hope we still get to see. I mean, I don't, I don't think we'll spend too much time here ultimately, but um, it's just a fascinating like location in this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's just so cool to imagine not only like the discs moving, but also like the pieces of Haverwort kind of moving around. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you might not find the really cool spot that you found and liked for lunch the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, it just made but, me hungry, honestly. Yeah, me too, bro. It reminded me of um, Brian Jackwis, Jack, however you say it, but the, yeah. the Redwall um, author. Yeah. Um, because those yeah. food descriptions always yeah. stuck with me as a kid I when I read those books. Yes, I forgot about that. Always makes they, it sound so good. And Brennan describing like the ramen within the clam got me thinking mm. of my absolute favorite ramen place here um, that I haven't been to in a while, but it's always so good, man. I need to go. I know you've told me about it. The, yeah, like the co-op or something it's called? Yeah, it's not a co-op, so I don't know right. why they have that name, but it's, yeah, co-op ramen, and uh, it's really, really good. I need to so, try that. Very good. <laughs> so, yeah, um, amazing world building, of course, paired with the awesome score like always um yes yes really like makes it feel alive um mm -hmm. but also the amazing world building in like the lore of the world like you know the second half was kind of like citadel exploration but that first half was kind of a continuation of the lore dump from last episode with yeah kind of like getting a little bit more insight on what happened with suvi's parents and kind of like the world events that led up to that with the teleportation thing um, I tried to write it all down as a lot of names, um, but it was just really fascinating world building. I thought that like, and I don't have a proper timeline to like describe this, but like there was like the beginning and there was this first 
let me, I, I looked this up and I already forgot again. Um, the celestial paths are kind of like, I mean, we don't know that it's like ley lines from critical that's role. That's what it was. That's right. That's what yeah. it seems like. Yeah. But he was describing how like movement in the celestial paths mm-hmm. all of a sudden allowed for teleportation and like these gates were built up all over the world and there was like travel and it was all like a very prosperous <laughs> time. Um, and I think he said it was like specifically the kings of the Gauth dynasty that like set these up originally. And so like Gauth, Gauth Mai, like, so is this like a precursor to the Gauth Mai? Like, mm-hmm. and I know I'm just like rambling right now, but like, no, no, these, you're great. These sorcerer kings of Gauth set up these gates all over the world. Like, so that was kind of like chill. Like you wouldn't think that if there were like wars happening that they would be doing that. So like, was everyone chill with each other back then? And you know, what happened since then to make it not that way. But then, right. um, but then the event that happened right before Suvi's parents thing was another realignment of the celestial gates that let people teleport without the need for these gates. Like people, like sorcerers could just teleport now. So like Blake said, the group of warlocks just like appeared in the Citadel. And so mm-hmm. like during well, a time think- of war, Sorry, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so like the, the celestial paths changing and allowing teleport, you know, the first time was kind of like a prosperous thing, but this time yeah. it was during war. So like people used it as a weapon. Yeah. And that's what kind of set off the Suvi's parents thing. Yeah. And I think the impression I got, or he maybe even said something like there was a like your accessibility for teleportation also like waxes and wanes with these celestial ley line sorry <laughs> um yeah. but something about like whereas previously it was something like you could know someone was teleporting or you could prevent it something to that effect um in this case those mechanisms did not work like it shifted right. in a way where it could happen where you would have no idea um and that's effectively yeah. the the night that we saw first met suvi that's right and so to kind of jump not not jump away from this, but this wasn't in this episode. But one of the things we've been wondering about and that we've talked about are these like meetings that Grandmother Wren had with Citadel people, but also um, I can't remember her name right now, but the witch in her coven that she met with last episode. Uh, M, I think. Um, Mar- Marara, I think. Marara, that's yeah. right. Yeah. They were talking about like, and not again, not that conversation specifically, but that oh. slotted in these conversations talking about like things are changing. Like, I wonder think, if it was this. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know, like, but, <clears throat> but act, act to what effect I wonder. Yeah. Cause they were like, it's, it's time, you know, what are you waiting on? Like we need to make this decision. Right. Um, so it seems like something tangentially related, but not the thing. You know, like, hey, here's all the things that are happening. So, like, the main thing, mm-hmm. these are all signs that we need to deal with this. Yeah, like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know what that would be ne- may necessarily. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the conjunction. <laughs> the conjunction of the spheres. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And then I can't remember who it was, but I think it was in the children's adventure that somebody from the Citadel, I think it was somebody from the Citadel, like came to meet with grandmother Wren and said something like vaguely similar about like things are happening now. Like we have yeah. to. And so again, no confirmation at all that this is what they were talking about, but this is at least plausibly mm-hmm. maybe what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, and maybe not, even if it's not specifically the teleportation aspect of it, the, the shifting of the celestial paths, I mean, mm-hmm. just in general. 
Um, so yeah, sorry, I kind of went on a little rant there, but <laughs> no, it's interesting. It seems like it's a plot device that's going to come up again at some point too. Yeah. I, um, yeah. But so yeah, I just love the world building. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like, like the Gauth versus the Gauth my, like what's up there, but then I'm trying to find it in my notes and I can't at this very instant, but he just listed like three or four, like keystone names. I felt like in that yeah, description when he was talking um, about like the crystal lake, crystal yeah. lake of Ket, I think. Yeah. Or something to that effect. I can't remember. Um, but I, you know, it's funny cause I've done this too with my players, which I don't know if this is what he's actually doing. We were like, yeah. And you know, there's the, the golden arch of, you know, <laughs> Dunnig and, yeah. and the player's like, yeah, they're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, so I don't know how much he was doing that or if it was actually um, like details from like Subi's backstory, for example, or, yeah. you know, cause Abria seems like the kind of person who would be like, this is where I'm from. And here's like a map of it. And here's like the places and, you know, I can see that, but um, let's maybe talk about the meat of the episode. This, flashback with suvi and steel yeah um quite a bit of a discussion around her parents uh interestingly enough we we've talked about this um but not necessarily in the direction that brennan took it we talked about was there a possibility that they were double agents but actually double agents against the citadel um because you know maybe the citadel isn't that great like maybe they you know, who knows? Um, but confirmation that they were double agents and um, seemingly, as seems like Brennan setting it up, uh, seemingly betrayed by Yorin at some point. Um, or at least that's the simplest line of reasoning. Yeah. Curious, your thoughts on that whole discussion, like what rose to the top for you? Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they conf hard confirmation, they were double agents. So it's not you know, who, who's to say they weren't flipped, you know, like, and I thought it was just cool how that, you know, she was like, your parents are heroes, but like they're, they're heroes because of like the 10% people know about, like they did 90% right. of things in the shadows. So like, right. It's just crazy that they were heroes, even based on that, like small amount people actually knew. Right. Um, but yeah, the fact that there are double agents and the urine stuff, it's, again, it just makes me really like suspect of, of everything. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like you mentioned, like if they were double agents and they had flipped against the Citadel, then steel sort of the Citadel maybe would yeah. have a problem with it all of a sudden. We just, we just can't help ourselves. Can we? <laughs> I know. But what was really suspect to me is the, the whole, like, you know, I don't, I think Yorn betrayed them because, yeah, he lived and saying that, like, if he was still their ally, like he would have never run from a fight. He would have died alongside them. Mm -hmm. um, and this just so happened to happen the one time Steel doesn't go because she says usually it was Yorin mm -hmm. and me by your parents side. But the one time I didn't go, this happened, which maybe yeah. maybe it's just coincidence. It's the one time she didn't go or maybe she set them up. Yeah, I mean, that's totally where my mind, you know, and I'm sorry if we're butchering this poor character who, you know, <laughs> um, I have a character in one of my campaigns where the players just like are so suspicious. And I was like, I have done nothing but be nice to you. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you that it's, it feels like it feels like this is 
such an easy connection to make um or it's it's becoming easier to like prop up this uh, suspicion of her in that you know if Yorin was like the less likable character like hey let's pin it on Yorin, even though i'm the one who did it and and then we have um the curse that smells like Yorin. Yeah. Um, which, if she's the one who did the curse, like, who's to say she couldn't make it also seem like Yorin? Right. Um, you know, and it's also kind of like, to what, if you think about it logically, to what end, to what end would Yorin have to curse Suvi, uh, Ame and Grandmother Ren? You know, like, I don't know, like, just so that he would be, I don't know, it's very interesting. The whole thing's very interesting almost feels like either Yorin smelling like Yorin was a backup plan, like a fail safe, like, Oh, let's put, let's pin this on Yorin or Mm -hmm. maybe the curse was placed always with the intention of it being broken to divert attention to Yorin. Yeah. I don't know. It at least seems possible to, for that to be the case to Mm -hmm. kind of frame somebody in that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, it could just as easily be that it was Yorin that betrayed them. I, you know, I'm not going to be like upset if that's what yeah. happens. Um, mm-hmm. But at least all these pieces are kind of in place to kind of have the like secret betrayal. Um, but again, that, that I would feel more strongly about it if this was like a book or a TV show, but it's D and D. And so, you know, like even if Brennan had something in mind, I think that thing could shift by the time like we get mm-hmm. to, that moment you know so um but there's definitely a lot of suspicious things um and al- mm. also i thought it was interesting that um and maybe correct me if i'm wrong here i'm looking in my notes for it but it was essentially that like Yorin's race or whatever he, he he's a shapeshifter right. um from galth from galth my i believe right but the like lore that we received was that like even within Galthmai they were like outcasts, I think. Like they were. I'll listen, let me see if I can find it. It might have gone over my head. I don't remember that detail. Um. While you're while you're looking, yeah. and we'll, we'll not to move away from the thought at all, but just continuing this thread. Um, I almost wonder. It's I think it's what makes Steel so compelling. Is you know maybe maybe Suvi's parents wavered a bit. And it was like, hey, are we doing the right thing? Maybe Ruve is right. And Steel, I mean, sort of the Citadel, um, like in too deep, not in too deep, something necessarily right, but like, hey, my whole life is here. My, I have a family here. Like, it's you or me, you know? But like, didn't like it. You know, I think, I think what would make the character very interesting is not like this malevolent, like malicious, like, <laughs> but like, right. you know, hey, like I have to do what's right for the Citadel. And, um, you know, out of respect and love for Suvi was like, hey, I'm going to keep you guys as poor heroes instead of, you know. Yeah. I mean, if it is the case that Steel is involved in these ways, I think it's definitely something like that. Like, I don't think she's a mustache twirling villain. I think, (laughs) like, in her mind, she did what she had to do. And it's just it was like a terrible situation. And she's just trying to make the best of it. So, like, I, I agree with you there that, you know. I mean, we could make up infinite amount of circumstances, but I I would think it was something that like she really struggled with, but ultimately like as sort of the Citadel was like, I have to do what's best for right. the whole, even though it's not what I want to do. Um, it could also be just to throw a completely other thing in the, the wash here. Like 
they were double agents. There was this, we know there's a sect within the Citadel that's trying to bring it down, the Akedator. Maybe the Akedator found out about this group and these double agents, and they're like, let's take these guys out. And maybe, you know, to make them weaker, they like set it up. So like, hey, Steel's going to be busy for this mission, you know, like, and we can take out these three by themselves if we like remove the sword of the Citadel, you know, like, so I think it could also not be Yorin and Yorin's being framed, but maybe it wasn't Steel that is behind it, like somebody else. So just parsing names correctly, because I think I got confused. So the Akedador wasn't the name because you have have this. Yeah, I think I misspoke. Yeah, I think that was their name. Yeah, that's them as like the more secretive, like yeah. trying to do things yeah. on behalf of the Citadel. And then yeah, sorry. I don't remember if there was a name. They I think the I Whispers or something. Yeah, they or, called it like the League of Whispers, but I think that's yes. just like what the Akedator. Or League of Shadows or I don't know. Yeah. Don't so know, yeah, I misspoke. Sorry. League of Shadows is something else. I don't know. I think that's a Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do I know? But yeah, yeah, that's right. But yes, I definitely could have been something like that for sure. I mean, if unless unless steel is a part of the league of whispers, then that lines up for our steel theory. Um, but assuredly they had some role to play. I would imagine in the demise of Suvi's parents, like this secret sect within the Citadel that's trying to bring them down. Um, yeah. And I did find the thing I was talking about a second ago. So the wording was, um, regarding Yorin, he is a revolutionary of Gauthmai, the Conterranaut. Oh, wait, excuse me. He's a revolutionary of Gauthmai. New sentence. The Conterranaut, the great houses of Gauthmai that oversee the Protectorate, are powerful sorcerers. And historically, they tried to eradicate shapeshifters like Yorin. I do remember that now. So it seems like Yorin, even within his home country, is like an outcast, which maybe explains why he was working with Mm -hmm. Citadel wizards. But again, he could be a double agent. Right. Um, so anyway, all that to say is that like, it's not as simple as, oh, Yorin's from Gauthmai. Like, of course he's the one that betrayed him because historically his people are like persecuted there. Um, so it just kind of throws some more haze into the mix of, mm-hmm. of yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I didn't expect to be here where like all the questions that the, the story started with would already be answered in the sense of like, I, I, I mean, now we have new questions, right? right? But it's very satisfying. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very curious, like their long-term plan. Like, are they going to go after Yorin now? And maybe even leave the Citadel? I mean, they got to be leaving the Citadel. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think Yorin is like, makes the most sense. At least, because I don't think they have like a pressing... Like, there is no really other pressing matter... At this point, I don't think. But would Steel legitimately send them, though, knowing that Yorin, she's accusing Yorin of killing her parents. They're all very powerful, right? So, like, how would she logically send them to go after Yorin? Or would it be more like a scouting thing? Like, hey, just go find him, but don't talk to him. Well, I think it's because, like, she mentioned that, like, she tried everything she could, and that's when she recruited Grandmother Rin. Right to the fight, and yeah, and now Ame Rin's gone. So like yeah. now Ame is Rin, but Ame obviously mm-hmm. isn't Rin. Like she's not as powerful as Rin, but maybe that's still the connection. It's like, hey, the wizards of the Citadel tried everything we could. We can't get there. Like we need witches' helps, witch help. Mm-hmm. We need spiritual help. So like maybe it is. 
I'm sure it's not like, hey, go handle this and go kill Yorin and everybody that's involved. But maybe it is like, see what you can find out and bring it back to me and we can go from there. Yeah, I mean, we know also we had that moment um, where Ame had the couple that the couple looking to become uh, uh, have a baby came to her right and she could like see their future like what yeah. would happen between yeah. them like i wonder if that mechanic will come up again as yeah, like, that was a interesting yeah i mean it seems like a pretty powerful <laughs> you know detail yeah but, um like i wonder if, if in when first watching that i assumed it was almost flavor but now i'm wondering yeah it's a good point like does she have some sort of foresight ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, is there something spiritual that allows her to maybe track Yorin or find mm. him, or which seems yeah. to be like the implication? Um, yeah, but especially since she was cursed by him, like maybe there's some breadcrumb trail to be followed via that somehow. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting. Or would she go to Grandmother Ren's coven now that she remembers them, like Marara or the other ones? She was making, it was like, it was kind of like background noise. Like, I don't know if it was like during a transition during the episode or something, but it's went like, it's background. You can hear Erica as Ame say something about like, like there's only one we could probably go visit. Cause like, remember when we get the list of them, like a lot of them were like real scary. So I don't know which one she was referring to. Um, but it at least shows that that was like a thought that had crossed her mind. So I could totally see them, especially since Steele said as much about like needing a witch's help at this point. I could see Ame going to like look for help. Um, if not one of the coven, just maybe somebody else on her list that, you know, Brennan said she remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. Because I'm trying to, so we have. I mean, Suvi, it's her parents, obviously. Ame has her, her thing was the curse, but now that's cleared. So she doesn't really have anything pressing other than like, if there's some need of proximity for her to like return to the cottage to like mm-hmm. guard the world's heart. I don't know if that's necessary or not, mm-hmm. but that could be something that draws her. And But with Ursulan, there's not really anything. Well, speaking of Ursulan, because um, I know you were avoiding spoiling it for me in the children's adventure. It, it feels like because they they had we had the flashback with Suvi talking with Steel and Ursulan came up mm-hmm. and there was a mention of like spirits that are, are at the Citadel who to introduce him to things like that. And yeah. then um, I feel like there was something about why Ursulan was tethered here. And I feel like what was said, if I remember correctly, was. Um, I gave him the sword and it was something that didn't belong to me. And that's why he's stuck here. Like I, I gave a gift of something that I did not own or. Um, I do remember that part. I don't think that's okay. tied to why he's waylaid oh, here. Okay. okay. Maybe, maybe it contributed to it. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of already know, you obviously don't have like the explicit knowledge from the children's adventure, but I can, I can, I can tell okay. you if you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like a big spoiler. Like, you kind of already know. Um, so, Ursulan is a spirit, obviously. And even in the children's adventure uh, preludes that you you heard, you know, you see his encounter of coming through and talking mm-hmm. to Sir uh, Curran, I believe. Sir Curran, yeah. 
So he comes through the portal um, and, you know, time passes differently in the two realms or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't remember if he just, I don't remember the, the explicit details of like, if he like went back immediately or I think he did. And he shows like his family, his pauldron. Um, but then like, he's told to go, he goes and shows his dad, I think. And um, he's basically like, told like you do need to not be doing that. Like go bury that pauldron and forget it um, mm. like forever type of thing. Um, and so something happens. And instead of doing that, like he goes back through the portal back into the, the main world. Um, and that's when he meets young Suvi and young Ame um, who are out like playing in the woods at the time. And so they like play together and have fun. And they're like, well, come back to grandmother Rin's house. Um, and so he does. And he comes inside. They invite him inside and they ultimately like, they're like, oh, you smell real bad. And like they feed him and they go and give him a bath. And so like all of those things together, like those are things you're not supposed to do. Like you're not supposed to like go Sleep into a, a human's house. You're not supposed okay. to like let them like bathe the the spirit like scent off of you. And so it's like all of those things made him like waylaid and unable to go back. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, and but it, it made it seem like because St- Steele said something like, yeah, is he like waylaid or something? But she the way she phrased it made it seem like that could maybe be fixed. Like, I don't remember what she said, if it was like, I don't know. I just feel like she said it's my fault, like because of me. Yeah, well, she said she, that because she like was the one that bathed him. And oh, stuff. OK. <laughs> um, I believe it was her and Ame, but it might have just been. Yeah. Suvi. I don't remember. Um. okay yeah no I well I mean even if it wasn't said that it could be fixed it I mean it's like this is you would hope it could be yeah yeah (laughs) it's like that Game of Thrones like you will never walk again (laughs) he's just like oh (laughs) um yeah I mean it's it's part of his greater narrative right I think there's that for him there's Suvi and like becoming her into her own and like more about her parents and then there's Ame with like the world's heart um, and becoming like the witch of Tomo, I guess. Um, so yeah. Interesting. Okay. It's good to know. Yeah. Um, um, what else from this episode? Um, I'm just looking, I mean, it was, it's, I mean, it was a two hour episode, which is on the longer end for worlds beyond number. Um, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but not much happened. Like it was essentially True. the flashback scene and then they kind of had fun going to a few restaurants. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's not much more really that like, you know, I'm, I'm diving to yeah. dive into other than what we've already talked about, which, you know, yeah. I'm sure I could wax poetic for three hours <laughs> if, if you let me. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess to save you all time of us. <laughs> Just Pepe Sylvia, you know, what about this reason? <laughs> um, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Let us know what you guys thought about the episode, your theory. We love reading these theories, by the way. So leave a comment on the channel. Let us know what you think about it. And also get into the Discord. We love to plug the Discord just because it's just fun. It's fun hanging out with people, talking about D&D. Um, we have a channel for Worlds Beyond Number. We have a channel for a couple other things as well. Um, so just check out that Discord link. And again, everybody's welcome, whether you are a casual fan or more um, 
I mean, we were we're obviously pretty hardcore. Yeah, because <laughs> we're watching everything every week. <laughs> but um, even if you're casual, everybody's welcome. Just come hang out with us. Hundred percent. And like I said, if you if you happen to be watching this as soon as we put it up, we have a uh, watch party tonight for the new episode of Critical Role. So mm-hmm. come hang out. And again, still workshopping maybe a way to occasionally have some watch parties for World Beyond, not Worlds Beyond, mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. parties, I guess I should say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, also happy Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't know if we'll have another episode out before then. I mean, we obviously won't have a Worlds Beyond out before then. Or we might. I- we we might we might we prob- probably not but we might you never know but if if yeah if you're an american and you celebrate thanksgiving uh have a great thanksgiving indeed so okay all right till next time